This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Election College, episode 197, James Buchanan, part two. Let's throw a political party. Face it, the political scene sucks, but did it always? It's time for election college, and class is in session. Now, your hosts, Jason Goff and Ben Smith. Jason, we left everybody with a cliffhanger. A, a dramatic cliffhanger of what was going to happen for the Democratic National Convention nomination of 1856. And here I am to tell you, it was indeed James Buchanan. No way. I know it's shocking in this episode about James Buchanan, but it's true. I just thought we were flinging dough towards the end of that last episode. But. The, well, that's true. Yeah. We threw some some insults around a little bit as well. Dough face. That's all right. So Millard Fillmore is back, and for whatever reason, he was a Whig before. Now he's running as the American Party or the Know Nothing Party, depending on you know who you, who you talk to and what you look up and what time period it was. Anyway, and then there's also on the Republican side, John C. Fremont, uh, who we've talked about him many times in the past. We may talk about him again in the future, but for the purposes of this episode, we'll simply say Buchanan doesn't actually campaign. He writes a bunch of letters and makes some friends and stuff like that, but he still ends up winning. And there you go. James Buchanan is the president. Man. Hey, I need to tell you something, Ben. I'm in Arizona right now. Uh-huh. And yeah. Fillmore Street's all over the place around here. Oh, yeah? Seriously. Like, Fillmore this and Fillmore that. And then Van Buren all yeah. over the place. I'm thinking, hmm. hey, there's Marty. And and I got to thinking, you know, maybe some of these towns just have every other street named after the presidents or whatever. No, uh-huh. it's kind of that era. It's all about Weird. it's all about Millard Fillmore and Martin Van Buren. Not crazy. Any, I haven't seen any Buchanans, but just a little thing. If anybody's in Arizona, why? if we have any listeners in Arizona, maybe you can tell us why. I guess probably because of the whole. Mexican-American War and this area becoming part of like a territory of the United States maybe around that time and they're thinking yeah Millard Fillmore I don't know Martin Van Buren I, I who knows I, I don't know but a lot of love out here for the Millard anyway <laughs> back to the subject at hand yeah so you've got Buchanan and he is the big bad president and one really cool thing about his inauguration was that he was the first president who was inaugurated where the festivities were recorded by taking actual photographs so go figure google it google 
inauguration of James Buchanan, and you are going to see a picture of the Capitol. And you're going to say, hey, that place looks familiar. It is so cool, too, that the the pictures that there are, actually, I've only ever seen one picture, um, that it's just so familiar, first of all. Second of all, it's like, wow, I've stood in the spot where that is, and here are these people who are at that event like it's different than thinking about it happening on the flip side of the capital uh where it is now where it currently takes place i don't understand why to me it's different but when i see that picture and i'm like oh this is the first one ever recorded and i stood right there that's kind of cool to me i don't know maybe it doesn't make any sense yeah i think we're part of the goofy crowd then that stands in front of buildings and and thinks wow that actually happened here because, like, if you look at some of the pictures of the House of Representatives from this era, it is not that much different now than it was back then. Oh, yeah, definitely. Just totally crazy. I think that's what makes it so shocking that some of the issues that were debated back in the 1850s, where you have these familiar scenes, they're talking about slavery and that. Well, it's a state's perspective to have slavery. That's okay. Like, that's not that long ago. And you've got old James Buchanan as president saying, man, this is horrible that our country is becoming divided over the issue of slavery. But it's really up to the states. It's up to the territories. Let them decide. Well, and even like the, uh, whenever the... Puerto Rican nationalists came in in the 50s, 1950s. And I know this isn't as long ago, but there are still like bullet wounds in the house chamber. Like there's a desk where you can stick your finger through the hole that a bullet made. And there's holes in the ceiling that haven't been covered up. Like that kind of thing is just kind of crazy to me. Mm-hmm. Again, that wasn't as long ago, but again, we digress all over the place here. Back to James Buchanan. He's going to get inaugurated. He gets inaugurated and people take pictures of it, which is pretty neat, we think, as well. And he starts assembling his cabinet. And he's trying to really get a cabinet that's not going to have a bunch of fights like Andy Jack's cabinet did. And, you know, how everybody left on Andy Jack and he he canned the ones that didn't leave. He ends up choosing four Southerners and three Northerners. And, of course, everybody thinks all the Northerners are just doe faces because they are Southern sympathizers, essentially. And Buchanan's like, look, I'm the leader. You guys are going to agree with me. That's just how this president thing works. And anybody who doesn't like it can get out. And, of course, there's a lot of people on the outside who don't like it. Yeah. You know what a lot of people don't like? And rightfully so. The Dred Scott decision. You remember that, right? Mm Mm-hmm. So two days after old James is inaugurated, Chief Justice Taney, he delivers the Dred Scott decision, which says, in case you didn't know that, it says (laughs) that Congress has no constitutional power to exclude slavery in the territories. So this is a pretty big deal. And Buchanan is just kind of lackadaisical on it. He's saying, well, okay, it's up to the states, up to the territories to decide what to do. He was thinking this is really going to disarm the Republican platform 
Um, but what ends up happening is Northerners, Democrat and Republican, were just outraged because of any support of this decision, which doesn't bode well if you were a Democrat from the North. So 1857 comes along, and here it is, summer. It's not great because we have 1,400 state banks and 5,000 businesses that just kind of collapse. And the South doesn't suffer from as much, but the North is really hurting. Uh, You end up, you know, this is the panic of 1857, in case you didn't guess that ahead of time. Buchanan says, well, we need to reform things. We don't need to relieve them or basically bail them out, as we would know in current terms. And this continues to be controversial, of course. And the economy does recover. Uh, but a lot of Americans suffer because of how well bad the economy was, and, and it's called we call it the Panic of 1857 because you can imagine a lot of people were definitely panicking. You know, another <laughs> horrible thing Buchanan got involved in the Utah War. Do you know much oh, about this? I don't. I was whenever I was researching the episode, I thought, man, we got to do an episode on the Utah War because it's just crazy that it existed. Period. Yeah, so basically Buchanan does all he can do to bring down Brigham Young as the governor of Utah. So he brings in this non-Mormon governor, Alfred Cumming, to rule the state, right? Or not the state, but the territory. And the Mormons are like, "Um, hang on, Sloopy. (laughs) Let's not, did I just say hang on, Sloopy? Hang on, hang on, Jimmy, stay out of our business. And Buchanan's like, hey, I I say, young, get out. And the Mormons were like, what? He didn't say anything to us. (laughs) (laughs) Because guess why? Because uh, during the administration of Franklin Pierce, they annulled the Utah mail contract, which means they weren't getting the mail. So... Young, of course, was like, I'm not going to step down. Buchanan says, I'm bringing out the army. <laughs> and they try to negotiate peace. And we, we could probably talk a lot about the Utah War. Maybe we should do an episode about that because yeah, even the whole Mormon movement is really interesting um, during this, this era and why Utah didn't become a state until later on and so on. But... What ends up happening is Buchanan says, okay, peace, everyone. Let's have peace. But that didn't really, uh, it didn't fly over too well with that community. Yeah, but they kind of agreed, we'll do what you want, federal government, so you don't kill us. We are all kind of familiar with the Kansas-Nebraska Act and everything that that creates, the Kansas Territory, etc. And then there's Bleeding Kansas. And Bleeding Kansas is, well, we did a whole episode about Bleeding Kansas and the Kansas-Nebraska Act back episode 24. So head on back and listen to that if you want to get a little bit more informed. We're going to go ahead and skip over it this time, though, just because this is more about James Buchanan, less about the Kansas-Nebraska Act. Yeah, now is when we get to fling some dough, because (laughs) Doughface Buchanan isn't by, well... Let's put it this way. If you can't please everyone 
all of the time, don't try to do that because you end up looking like a doe face. And that's exactly <laughs> what he does. He tries to appease the Northern Democrats, tries to appease the Southern Democrats. So Stephen Douglas, he's out in Illinois, and he really is the Democrat who garners the most support from Northern Democrats. Buchanan is losing all kinds of support in the North, and he ends up losing some of the support in the South, but he's got his base down there. But the division between the Northern and the Southern Democrats allow the Republicans to totally rock the election of 1858. So they take control of the House and they block most of the agenda for James Buchanan. So 1860 rolls around, April comes along, and the Democratic National Convention is in full swing. And guess what? James Buchanan is not going to run. Instead, Stephen Douglas is going to try, but he never quite makes it there. Basically, what you need to know is that James Buchanan is no longer the president. He ends up not running. Someone else wins, and someone else is the president. And, of course, I'm not saying who exactly that person is, so that we can surprise you next episode and talk all about the next president. Right. But <laughs> something that happens in the meantime, and, by the way, I, I guess I can't really hold it back. Well, Abraham Lincoln's coming up here, guys. Just, just a spoiler, a, a big spoiler ahead of time. We're going to have a lot of talk between the time that Lincoln is elected and the time that Lincoln takes office where there's a bunch of discussions around secession and a war and really bad stuff that's going to happen to our country. And none of us are hopefully completely aloof of any of that, but we'll do our best to kind of break some of that down for you as we go. But Buchanan has a really hard time for the last few months, maybe even year of his presidency because states are starting to secede fort sumter there's something cooking there as well and it's going to get way worse before it gets better yeah you know for a while after the civil war breaks out people refer to this great war as buchanan's war and he would get mail almost every day with threats and, you know, pictures drawn with his eyes, you know, red, people draw red over his eyes and have a noose drawn around his neck and um, just all kinds of not so friendly messages from the populace. So one other thing about Buchanan that we didn't really discuss that we've discussed about all the other presidents thus far is his personal life. We've really only dealt with politically. And, well, that's kind of because his personal life is a bit of an interesting story. He is the only president to have ever not married and continued to be a bachelor through their entire lives. Uh, he had, at one point, a pretty serious relationship with a lady, and things didn't work out. But there's all sorts of discussion that perhaps he was not at all interested in any kind of relationship of that type or the fact that he was perhaps homosexual and that you know of course at that time it was not uh, at all acceptable to be a homosexual and especially not one in leadership so that he kept that part of his life a secret so whether he was 
just not interested in a relationship with a woman or was only interested in relationships with other men. Uh, we don't know for sure, but what we do know is that it was quite the scandal that he wasn't married. Yeah, it's interesting because you hear a lot of modern biographers place a lot of emphasis on his personal life and you know whatever relationship he might have had with William Rufus King, um, who, by the way, was the vice president under Franklin Pierce, well, for just a little bit because you know, you don't want to be vice president in the 1800s because you end up dying. But a lot of that debate can be left to the historians. We don't know. We don't know for sure. And we don't necessarily know if it's relevant (laughs) when it comes to the way he led our country. Yeah, absolutely. So after Buchanan retires from the presidency, the Civil War breaks out within just a couple months. And of course, he, even though he has all these Southern leanings, uh, says he supports the United States. He tells colleagues that, yeah, the United States should strike back out against the Confederate States who attacked Fort Sumter. And really the kind of the sad part, or I don't know if it's sad or true or both, but he suffers a lot of blame for the Civil War. And a lot of people even referred to it as Buchanan's War because of the things he said and did and the policies he made leading up to the war. Now, I I think the Civil War was brewing for a lot longer than Buchanan had any influence over it. But uh, the fact of the matter is he took a lot of blame. So Buchanan, unlike John Adams, has a memorial in Washington, D.C., Yeah, it's right at the southeast corner of Meridian Hill Park. Go figure. If you get a chance to check it out, if you're in Washington, D.C., or if you go to Buchanan's birthplace and happen to see any of the sites there, go ahead and snap some pictures. Send them to us. Send them to our Twitter or Instagram or our Facebook. You can find all of those at Election College. We would love to interact with those and repost them for people to see. Uh, I mean, I know there's a billion pictures out there of, of these sites, but none of them taken by our listeners that we know of. Yeah. And hey, you know, we've said doe face a lot. I would love to hear <laughs> some of your favorite clean, <laughs> please keep it clean, um, insults from the 1800s, because that just sounds, there's something quaint about insults from 100 years ago. Yeah, definitely. So you can tweet them to Election College. And while you are tweeting and playing on the internet, how about helping us out a little bit? And this won't cost you a dime. If you go to electioncollege.com slash iTunes, you can leave us a rating and review. And what is that you say? You don't listen to the podcast in iTunes? Well, get this. When it comes to podcast rankings iTunes is where it's at, and that is where we get the biggest bump. So please consider doing that, and uh, we promise we won't call you a doe face. At least not much. Thanks for listening, everyone, and we'll talk to you next time.